Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Northern Agenda podcast. I'm Rob Parsons, Northern Agenda editor, and today I am in the huge Manchester Central conference complex in the centre of Manchester. Normally, the last time I was here was uh, the whole conference area was covered in huge security uh, walls and there was baying protesters outside because it's the base where we normally have the Conservative Party conference. Today is a very different type of atmosphere, much quieter, uh, more collegiate, I think, more, more collaborative. It's the Convention of the North, which is the annual conference where Northern political, business and civic leaders get together to try and put forward a united, sort of powerful voice about what this great region of 15 million people need. It's been a really interesting day uh, of debate so far, and I'm joined by Liam Thorpe from the Liverpool Echo, who has been sampling it along with me. Afternoon, Liam. Good afternoon. It's, a, it's nice to be in from the rain, um, which, you know, Manchester living up to its reputation with it, a constant source of drizzle. Uh, although it looks like it's dried up slightly. But yeah, it's been a, an interesting day. Um, I think we'll, we'll come on to talk about Michael Gove's speech. I think there's a real contrast between some of what Michael Gove said and what was immediately followed in terms of the reaction by some of the northern mayors. I think that said quite a lot about where the frustrations lie with levelling up. Yeah, absolutely. So the two big hitters at today's conference was, as you say, Michael Gove, the levelling up secretary, who gave a uh, half an hour speech at lunchtime, and Lisa Nandy, who is due on stage quite soon, her uh, Mr Gove's labour shadow. And we know in advance that Lisa Nandy is going to talk about how our political system needs to change or die, and uh, that the economy being powered by one small part of the country uh, is never going to work, and what Labour would do for these left-behind towns, giving local leaders more a choice of powers over how they control their own, control their own lives. In the run-up to this conference, there was an interesting report from IPPR North, the think tank, which did some number crunching, and they revealed that if the North was a country, which many people think it should be, uh, that it would be, amongst the developed nations, it would have the second least investment uh, of any, above only Greece and below the likes of Hungary and Slovakia, which is a pretty damning indictment of how, uh, you know, the last well, the last 12 years, but also going back further, different parties, governments of different uh, different colours. Uh, and also, uh, in the run-up to the conference, we had the northern mayors saying, looking to Germany, 
where uh, levelling up and the pursuit of equality is written into their constitution, which might explain why Germany has had so much more success in uh, sort of bridging those inequalities between the east and west of the country, much more so than we've had. So these are all questions, I think, for uh, that we've been discussing all day and big issues that Michael Gove has been trying to get to the bottom of as well. He gave a big speech, as I just mentioned, and a few minutes after that, the Northern Agenda got 15 minutes with him, uh, an exclusive interview, not in a room at the Manchester Central, but actually in a taxi uh, on the way to the station as Mr Gove was on his way out of town. So let's have a listen to that. So, I am in a car. Uh, we're moving from Manchester Central, the big complex in the centre of the city, over to Manchester Piccadilly Station. I'm in the company of Michael Gove, the levelling up secretary. Mr Gove, hello. Hello, Rob. Hi. Nice to have you on the podcast today. So, you have just been speaking in front of an audience of Northern business, political, civic leaders. You've given a big speech setting out your view on where levelling up is going in the coming months and years. What's your assessment of where uh, the, sort of the relationship between the north of England and your government? Well, the, the, the north is where the political and economic action is. Uh, so uh, one, one of our particular challenges is that we know that some of the, the, the recent economic difficulties that the whole world is facing have hit the north particularly hard. So there are more manufacturing jobs in the north than elsewhere in the UK. Those manufacturing jobs are more affected by the rise in energy prices as a result of the war in Ukraine. That means that levelling up is even more central to what it is that we're trying to do. And as I was arguing today, there's a there's a big debate going on around the world about how we get higher growth. One of the things holding this country back in terms of growth is the north-south divide and the fact that um, high productivity firms are concentrated in the southeast. So both because of what's happening in Ukraine and because of the need for uh, uh, improved economic growth overall, the north is where it's at. And that's my message today. The government is committed to using all the tools at its disposal to level up. Now, one of those tools and is the 4.8 billion levelling up fund you described in your speech. I think you said there'd been a lively debate yep. about the subject. And I think one of the livelier aspects of that debate is who got money and who didn't get Absolutely. money in the second round. And it, it's been um, Michelle Donnellan, the culture secretary this mm. weekend, said that areas which were successful in the first round mm. would not be successful in the second round. And that's prompted some consternation amongst the local leaders who did not realise this was the case. They spent a lot of time and money mm. on bids which were ultimately doomed to failure. I mean, do, do you have any regrets about that aspect of it and the amount of time and effort that's been put into ultimately unsuccessful bids? Uh, when uh, we were debating the levelling up fund in the House of Commons last week, the point was made by a number of people successful in round two that they'd been unsuccessful in round one. But they'd worked with the department in order to improve those bids um, and to, to get the money at a slightly later date, but in a way that would be spent more effectively, everyone agreed. So there'll be a third round of levelling up funding, uh, and we will make sure that we uh, use that money in order to, to drive economic growth, to improve productivity, and also, of course, to improve the, uh, the cultural uh, uh, fabric of the country. So uh, we were in a position where the levelling up fund had, I think, four times as many bids as we could fund. 
I'm really proud of the fact that there are things like the uh, the Eden Project in Morecambe or the Multiversity in Blackpool or uh, Town Centre Revival in Accrington uh, that we were able to fund in the northwest. But it is just one limb of levelling up. It's not the whole of everything that we're doing. As we discussed today, more funding for mayoral combined authorities, more funding for research and development and arts as well, beyond what the levelling up fund does. I'll come back to some of those other mm. areas uh, shortly. But... Um, is it right that an area, to pick an example, like London Melton, mm. which is one of the more affluent constituencies in the country, got £23 million for things like uh, a food market and a biomedical research centre, where they're, they're, London Melton is already doing pretty well for itself in the grand scheme of things, but places like Bradford, County Durham, Leeds, all of which you could argue need the money more, they all failed in their second round levelling up fund bids. How would you justify that to people in those areas who, who think, well, what's going on here? Well, I, I'd say two things. The, the first thing is that all of the bids were judged against a set of criteria. And one of the factors there was looking at areas which have relatively lower economic productivity. But, you know, we set we set the, the broad outline saying let's improve productivity across the country. And then all the bids were judged by civil servants against those criteria. But the second thing that I would say is that uh, other areas which are relatively disadvantaged, are receiving the benefit of funding and interventions in other ways. So uh, in Bradford and in Leeds, uh, we have our mayoral combined authority and a great mayor in Tracy Braben, whom we've been helping to uh, support with uh, additional funding for bus transport. Again, in West Yorkshire, I know not Bradford, but down the road in Batley and Kirklees, um, investment there in the town centre. Um, and again, it's a Labour-led council and a Labour MP benefiting. So uh, not everywhere could benefit when there was such a you know uh, plethora of bids, but there are other things beyond the levelling up fund uh, uh, which we are doing in order to help those communities. And indeed, one of the points I made in the speech today is that uh, there's a brilliant new free school opening in Bradford, just one of a series of interventions. Bradford could also be in line for investment zone status as we look at where exactly we should be putting that uh, additional resource to make sure that we get the uh, high technology and high value jobs we want to see. You mentioned devolution deals and mm. one of the interesting announcements was that there will be £30 million going to Greater Manchester and the West Midlands to improve their affordable housing uh, stock. Um, obviously the trailblazer mm. talks are going on between your department and Andy Burnham's team in Greater Manchester. I mean, is that going to be, should people be excited about what you're going to be able to fully announce when that comes out? Is, is Andy Burnham going to get everything he wants? Because he wants quite a lot. He does, and he's quite right to be ambitious. Uh, we're, we're working to make sure that um, we get the, the, the right mix. So emphatically, it's the case that Andy Street in the West Midlands and Andy Burnham in Manchester uh, have proven successful in the exercise of the powers they have. We want to see um, more powers devolved um, and we want to see uh, more mayoral deals across uh, the country. Um, I don't want to go into the precise detail of, of what will be agreed because there's some quite... Uh, pernickety, finicky detail that we need to sort out with things like accountability and so on. And to be fair to Andy, uh, 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 both Burnham and Street, um, they're, they're up for that because what they are confident about is their ability to deliver with these new powers. So, uh, as I say, we will be announcing more in the next few weeks.
a few days ago on GB News, Andy Burnham said some very nice things about you. He said that you were you were uh, very good to work with, and that you you listened, unlike some ministers, and that you weren't weren't just someone who pushed hmm. paper around. Uh, so it's clear that you know he's and other you know northern mayors say quite similar when I, I speak to them. I mean, how would you reciprocate that? Uh, how how is it working with the King of the North? You know, a big, very popular Labour. Labour figure does that is that been a good working relationship for you? Yes, no, I don't want to ruin Andy's career by um, uh, saying uh, too many nice things about him. But no, um, the, the the key thing is, um, Mayor succeed, Andy succeeds on the basis that he is serving his community, that he uh, uh, has a clear set of objectives to improve lives for people uh, in Greater Manchester, and and my view is. Whoever the electorate chooses to represent them, it is my responsibility to work with that individual in the interests of uh, uh, citizens and communities who deserve better public services and increased economic opportunities. So whether it's Tracy, Steve Rotherham, Andy Burnham, uh, Jamie Driscoll in the northeast, Oliver Coppard in South Yorkshire, uh, I am happy to work with all of them in order to get things done. Um, I mentioned Ben Houchin, of course, in my speech, Conservative Mayor of Tees Valley. Um, I think that Ben is, you know, alongside the Andes, the standout uh, example of a successful mayor. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, we, as a government, are committed to putting people first. And when it comes to delivering public services, leaving politics at the door. On a more general level about devolution, I think we're going to be hearing from Lisa Nandy, your mm. counterpart, who says that under the Labour government, there would be a Take Back Control Act uh, it would be sort of one of the signature pieces of Labour legislation. And she talks about how um, local leaders would basically be able to pick and choose what aspects of policy they would like to take control of, and they'll just be able to take them, seems to be what Labour is saying. I mean, is Labour taking your devolution agenda further than, than you have, or do, do you have some scepticism about what, what they're putting on the table. Well, uh, so far it seems that uh, Labour and Lisa are just producing cover versions of the of, of the tracks that we've already released, and that is a great compliment. Um, uh, but you know, we have uh, an extensive back catalogue that they're perfectly at liberty to, uh, uh, you know, uh, to play. But we're the ones who are who are driving the pace. When Labour were in power, the only devolution that occurred in England was to London. So all of the new mayoral uh, combined authorities that have been created have been created with Conservative Prime Ministers in Downing Street. Uh, Leveling up became the central part of the political agenda of this country as a result of a Conservative Prime Minister. And the, the focus and the attention on geographical inequality and on devolution and on missions, national missions, that's all happened under a Conservative government. So I am more than happy for uh, Lisa to uh, use conservative language and to endorse conservative ideas, uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. It is still the case, though, isn't it, that uh, at the moment, if a mayor or local leader wants to do something, mm. they have to, generally speaking, bid to a pot of central mm. government funding. And I saw in the Financial Times today mm. that the Chancellor is interested in developing something that was mentioned in the autumn statement mm. and giving mayors like Andy Burnham or Andy Street more a guaranteed pot of funding mm. that they can do with, perhaps not as they wish, but with more flexibility. Is that is that likely to happen, do you think? Is that something you endorse? Yes, that, that direction of travel, um, uh, absolutely, I think, is the, is the right one. But um, uh, what we need to do is to make sure 
with devolution that we we match that ambition with deliverability and we do also want to make sure that uh, we can show that devolution works. One of the successes I think so far going right back to George Osborne's initial creation of mayoral combined authorities is devolving significant powers sufficient to show that the model would work and then winning confidence for yet further devolution over time. So uh, I think that is you know the the uh, uh, the, the direction in which we should be moving. But uh, again, without wanting to bore your listeners, um, so much of uh, politics is about delivery, so much of, that d- of delivery is about detail. And when, for example, we're thinking about the interplay of, say, health and social care, um, uh, all of us would want to ensure that uh, a great national service like the NHS was operating equitably and effectively across the country. Social care is, of course, delivered by uh, local authority partners. When you're thinking about the future of those services, you have to proceed with care. Um, but it's always and everywhere the case that we want to be in a position to empower local leaders to do more. Can I ask you about one particularly big issue in this part of the world, the uh, the terrible case of Awab Ishak yes. in Rochdale. You've been up to Greater Manchester a few times to uh, sort of develop the government's response to that and you, you announced money for uh, better housing mm. today but I gather uh, and, and you've praised the Manchester Evening News's yes. campaign for AWAB's law to you know bring into legislation more safeguards mm. to stop such a tragedy happening again one thing that they are particularly interested in is that making sure that uh, putting a time limit on social landlords of 14 days uh, to check out uh, issues of mould and damp mm. and, and a seven-day deadline uh, if such an issue is identified. And uh, I mean, Can you give us any uh, sort of update on, is that likely to happen? Is, is that is that part of what you're planning in terms of uh, changes to the existing legislation? Yes, there's legislation that is uh, currently um, going through Parliament, um, which is there to improve um, the regulation of social housing. Um, the Master Evening News, Awab's family, the lawyers who've acted for Awab's family, all have been very clear about the sorts of changes that they think would um, uh, help us to ensure that this sort of terrible tragedy never happens again. Um, and I'm exploring uh, now how we can make sure that uh, Awab's law is part of the legislation that we are currently looking at. And so the four, so the, the specific that's on that specific, those specific issue. exactly those specific issues are things that we're looking at precisely at the moment. And um, I don't want to um, preempt announcements that we're going to make in Parliament, but that is exactly the route we want to go down. And in terms of a timescale on when these changes might come into might might be felt. Um, uh, once the 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 bill is law, um, uh, so I can. I'll update you, I'll update the Manchester Evening News and others with a timetable. Um, I know it can sometimes be frustrating when uh, there is such a clear need for laws to change and Parliament sometimes takes its time, uh, but we will update the, the Manchester Evening News and your other readers with progress in this area. I'll ask you one final question as of course. approaching Manchester Piccadilly fairly soon, I think. Um, when will the North know that it has been levelled up? Not just places like Manchester, which as we're driving through it now, mm. you can see the signs of building sites going up all over the place, but you know the, the outskirts of Greater Manchester, mm. the, the coastal communities, the left-behind towns. Like, how will those places know that levelling up has, has occurred? Uh, I think that it will uh, be felt differently at different times in different locations. So I think uh, last week, both Blackpool and Morecambe 
knew that they were beneficiaries of levelling up with a commitment to the multiversity and the commitment to the Eden project. But there are other communities where we do need to, to do more. Here in Greater Manchester, uh, we know that the centre is buzzing. Um, we know that uh, there are other parts of Greater Manchester, uh, whether it is Rochdale or Oldham, that need additional attention. And part of the purpose of my speech today was to stress that uh, it's not going to be an overnight, um, uh, what's the word, um, project, that uh, it will take time. That's why we've said that our missions are going to be measurable by 2030. But what I hope we will see is that with every year that passes, mayors have more powers. With every year that passes, our major cities are increasingly attractive places for investment. With every year that passes, we can see towns uh, ringed around those cities benefiting from strong mayors and that we will also see other towns, whether it's Blackpool, Morecambe, um, uh, Grimsby or Blythe, also getting the attention of government and people there will be able to say that while there's still uh, a lot to do, that a lot has been done. Michael Gove, thank you so much. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So that was me talking to Michael Gove in a car on the way to Manchester, Piccadilly. And um, Liam Thorpe, who's with me now, what did you make of Michael Gove's speech to conference? It was quite long. Uh, there was a bit in there about money for affordable housing, wasn't there, amongst the news lines? What, what, was, what were the big points of it, as far as you could see? I mean, it felt a bit like a, a conference speech to me. It, it, it kind of it went on very long. In fact, Evan Davis, the, the host there at the conference, had to twice try and try and sort of clap him off stage because he, he kept going. But there, what, for me, there wasn't loads of detail in there. I remember sitting through Michael Gove's speech at last year's Conference of the North in Liverpool and hearing some of the same kind of platitudes coming through. Yes, there was some talk about money for affordable housing in places like Greater Manchester, in the West Midlands and and there was one thing I did notice was Andy Street the Mayor of West Midlands and Andy Burnham the Mayor of Great Manchester were repeatedly kind of called out and praised they seem to be very much the, the Mayor's in favour at, at the moment but obviously there's there's many other areas including my own area that um, that is, is sort of desperate for, for investment and for, for more powers and, and devolution um, so I, I think for me that probably the biggest sign and I mentioned before of the discrepancy between the government rhetoric and the reality is you've got Michael Gove giving a speech about the government's commitment to levelling up in in the main hall and then minutes later we, we race to a, a, a gathering of, of mayors, I don't know what the collective term is there, a murder of mayors <laughs> um, and it was just it was just anger, frustration. You know, they were you know you had Tracy Braben, Steve Rotherham, Jamie Driscoll, um, Oliver Coppard, and Andy Burnham all talking about the frustration of the, that news last week from the levelling up bids, which of course many were rejected, and then just talking about in general that how the wholesale project is is faulty. Is I think Tracy Braben said it's broken. It's it's not how you should fund areas. It's not. I think Lisa Nandy's going to say now it's a it's a hunger game. It's a beauty pageant. Um, cash-strapped local councils spending millions to, to put together bids that in some cases we're never going to get 
accepted anyway. It's quite humiliating in some ways. So I think behind what Michael Gove was saying, there's, there's a, a load of frustration. It was interesting to hear before Michael Gove came on, actually, you mentioned about this kind of look towards Germany. Obviously, they have a kind of federal system there. It's um, we, we heard from the, the minister for East Germany, um, Mr. Schneider, who said that it's it's this kind of idea of equal opportunity, equal funding across the regions is a cornerstone of, of German politics. That is what the mayors here want it to be. And I think we're a long, long way away from that. And another big part of the context of uh, whatever Michael Gove wants to do about levelling up is that for the last 12 years, local, the local councils who are getting £20 million here, £10 million here for relatively small projects, they've lost many times more than that, haven't they, in their, in their budgets. We had Steve Houghton, the leader of Barnsley Council, on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. Barnsley got £10 million, I think, for an outdoor activity centre, but in the last 12 years, they've lost best part of a billion, maybe more than a billion, out of their budget. And I, I know in your part of the world, in Merseyside, there's councils like the closing libraries, aren't there? They're closing leisure centres, like the, yeah. the basic fabric of what makes a community is being eroded. And, and a, you know, a bit of cash for a, some benches isn't going to make up for that. You know, and you've got, I mean, if you look at councils like, say, Wirral, you mentioned about libraries, that's one part of, of, of what they're looking at, possibly closing 10 libraries, a leisure centre. You know, these are vital, vital facilities for some of the most deprived people. And yet their their bid um, to, to, to regenerate a, a very rundown town centre in Liscard was, was rejected. I was just speaking to Steve Rotherham, um, Metro Mayor of, of Liverpool City Region then, and, and he made as good a point as you can about the the unfairness of this whole levelling up myth as I call it um, Heighton is one that is in Knowsley it's one of the most deprived areas in the country they have now put in four separate bids over the two rounds of levelling up funding it's a priority one area that's designated by the government high priority for levelling up all of those bids are rejected and yet they were told they were good bids it wasn't that the bid was terrible they were told they were good bids all of those bids rejected for Heighton yet Obviously, Rishi Sunak's constituency of Richmond gets 20 million. Last time round, Sajid Javid's constituency of Bromsgrove got 15 million. And, and you know, Steve Rotham just said to me, something stinks. How can that be right? If we, if we are staying away from the idea that anything of this is, if, if, if the claim is that none of this is political, what is the explanation for that? Why would the most deprived areas not get cash? It just doesn't really make sense. Isn't that what levelling up is supposed to be? Why don't we finish our chat on a bit of more positive news? Because you uh, got to uh, achieve a long-held ambition of yours this week by going on one of the new yes. state-of-the-art Class 777 uh, Mersey Rail trains, which have just come into operation. Um, just tell us a bit about the background about that and what was it like? What was it like on the new trains? Yeah, so it, it, part of the reason for my excitement is I just I'm interested in trains, but a big part of it is because I've been writing about this day for, for years. So a quick potted history. In 2016, uh, a deal, this is actually before we had a Metro Mare, but a deal was first signed uh, to replace the existing fleet, the famous fleet of yellow Mersey rail trains that have been in existence since the 70s, um, which, which have provided great service, but they're starting to fall apart. Um, for a new state-of-the-art um, fleet of trains um, made by a Swiss firm, Stadler. So that's 2016. We've had a long, a lot of delays and a lot of reasons for them. There was a, a several years there was a, an industrial dispute with the RMT, with several rounds of strike action. That was about the guard roles that would be on the new trains. That's been settled. There's going to be a, a train manager um, on these new new trains. Of course, then we have the pandemic, which 
put, throws everything off. Then there was actually flooding in the factory where the trains were being made. It does feel like, I think Steve Rotham said, it feels like he's just waiting for the plague of locusts to come next. Anyway, um, we finally got the, the final union deal agreed. That was with, the, with Aslef for the drivers. And it meant that the first of the new trains could roll out from Liverpool Central to Kirby early this week and, and it was a great moment it really was it's you know there's, there's plenty to be frustrated about in local politics plenty to be annoyed about but this is something and, it, and it's a 500 million pound fleet of trains that will be publicly owned first to be done like that in, in the country and they're great you know it, it was the um, the train was full of all sorts of people who wanted to come and get a slice of history I interviewed the first baby on the on the train that he uh, Bradley he gave a, a, a squeak of approval <laughs> we saw the first dog Bella uh, and there was lots of uh, train enthusiasts as well who one bloke I spoke to who had been on he said he'd rode for more than 10 miles on every single other Merseyrail train and he's going to do the same on, on the new ones it's going to take about a year to roll them all out because it happens gradually but it's it's massive like it's you know you, you see here in Great Manchester you've got a brilliant tram network we don't have that in Merseyside what we do have is, is a good Merseyrail network and we're going to have some state-of-the-art trains that will make a massive boost to, to the local economy and to people's lives. Fantastic. And, well, you, you say you haven't, don't have a tram system in Merseyside. Uh, where I live in Leeds, we, we, we have, don't have a tram system. We don't have our own train system like you do in, uh, in Merseyside. And the trains coming out of Leeds are not the best. I, I On my journey over to Manchester today, it was a half-formed, uh, free-carriage train. Everyone was crammed in there like sardines uh, and today was a relatively good day yes. by Transpennine's recent recent standards I mean you don't want to go in too hard on them because there's a lot of different factors uh, at play but I think a lot of uh, people are getting shortchanged at the moment uh, I realise I've it was supposed to be a positive story to end on, wasn't it? I've made it into a negative. But anyway... Well, that, you get home, OK. That, well, I think I, I'll be crossing my fingers. 50-50 chance I'll make it back to Leeds. Uh, OK. Well, that's that's all we've got time for uh, this week. It's been an interesting day at the Convention of the North, and we'll see you for next week's episode. Thank you for listening to the Northern Agenda podcast. And don't forget, you can subscribe to our daily newsletter at thenorthernagenda.co.uk. It's more important than ever for Northern voices to be heard. The Northern Agenda is a laudable production for Reach. It's presented by me, Rob Parsons, and it's produced by Daniel J. McLaughlin. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to The Northern Agenda wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Also, check out the other laudable podcasts. See you next week. Bye-bye.